0: We were discussing this morning about uh, possibly ordering some more of the CDs that Brother Mort has uh, recorded, and what a blessing it is. I have them in all the we have them in all of our vehicles, and I have them at work and everything. But one of the songs on the first CD was titled "It Is Well with My Soul," and uh, I think that's always a good discussion to have. I like. Brother Moore has so much, and I want to say this too. Brother Moore can put in a three-minute song much more than I can put in a forty-five-minute sermon. So we're blessed to have him all these all these years. Uh, I forgot what else I was going to say now, but anyway. Uh, so uh, the uh, the song is well, my soul. Uh, he times tells a lot of history uh, of these songs and the writers and things like that. And uh, I won't go into too much detail. I think I'm saying it correctly, but I believe the, the writer of this song, and actually it's in our green books, I think page 97, not in the red ones that we have out. But um, I believe he lost two children, I believe, at sea. This has been many years ago. And uh, my recollection of what he told us about that one, when he was over the spot in the ocean of where the ship went down with his two children, he went down in the bow of this boat and wrote that song, It Is Well With My Soul. So everything else may seem wrong, may seem gloomy, as this man surely, I I can't imagine uh, losing children. I've talked to people, uh, but... Yet, it is well with my soul. There's always something to be grateful for in every valley. Mort sings another song, uh, Thank You for the Valleys. It, it's difficult when we're in those valleys, but uh, the Lord is, is uh, leading us through these valleys and, and so forth. Uh, but what a blessing it is to be able to say, It is well with my soul. So I'll ask a question to those of you gathered here this evening, and those who may be listening by recorded message at a later date. Is it well with your soul? And if you say it's well with my soul, what do you base that on? We can say those words. It's well, with my soul. But what do we base that on? Someone might say, well, I was baptized at a certain age. I believe in baptism. But is that the reason it's well with your soul? I uh, was watching a documentary today and learned a few things. It was a documentary on the, the New River. And I'll go ahead and confess my ignorance to you. I didn't know that it flowed north. I always thought it flowed south. But anyway, the New River flows north. And it was a lot of history along the New River and everything. But one thing I learned, there was a people. And a lot of people, uh, as they would create dams and things, people were displaced and things like that. But there was one group of people. They called them dunkers. And the reason for that, they didn't believe in Baptizing and sprinkling babies. So they call them dunkers. I uh, wonder, we talked about the book was going to order more of the trail of blood. Uh, I don't think I saw that in there, but there may be, there may be something there. Uh, they were called the dunkers. They didn't believe in sprinkling uh, babies. They thought, okay, you take people and you, you dunk them out of the water, which is what baptism is, is certainly a picture of. Uh, but if it's well with my soul, and you base it on baptism. And if baptism is the way, then we should baptize babies. Not maybe not by sprinkling, but by immersion. Or we should take anybody that we can overpower and baptize them. If that was the way. But I'm asking the question now. If you say it's well with my soul, then why? I was baptized, or I prayed through. You know, you hear that a lot. Uh, I hear, I used to be a bad person, but I turned over a new leaf, cleaned up my life. It's well my soul because I keep the Ten Commandments. And I ask them, do you? Can you? And you realize there's more than 600 of those. So then, and then they'll say, it, it never fails. Well, I'm doing the best I can. That's why they believe it's well with their soul. But you talk to these people, I'm doing the best I can. And they may say, oh, it's well with my soul and, 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 and be, uh, uh, seem happy and everything. But you talk to them when they may seem that they're faced with death, may have something, and they're going in maybe the hospital for a serious operation or something. And then they'll say something like, and I've heard this, not a bunch, but a couple, three times. You know, I don't know if I've been good enough to go to heaven or not. And our answer should always be, well, I know, and you haven't been. But it's not based on that. So it's well with my soul. What, what's, it, what's it based on? And again, people say, well, I'm doing best I can. We'll go there. Psalm 39 says, Man in his best state is altogether vanity. Now, what is he in his worst state? Well, but in his best state, is altogether vanity. Scripture says, you break one of the laws, you're guilty of the whole. That's according to Scripture. Uh, I've heard multiple times, you do enough good, and then God's required to let you in. David, you and I talked about that this morning after services. I heard a man on television he says, you know, you do all these things, you do good enough. Then when you go to the, the, the pearly gates, God owes it to you to let you in. God is not indebted to me, and he's not indebted to you. God doesn't owe, doesn't owe us anything. So uh, I'd like to go to Romans chapter 3, and I know this uh, chapter is very dear to, to David, Brother David. so is it well with your soul and if the answer is yes what's it based on what is it based on so in, uh, in uh, Romans uh, chapter 3 and, and, or chapter, yeah, chapter 3 and verse 9 what then are we better than they no in no way. For we have before proved, both Jews and Greeks, that they're all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, just a few. Does it say that? That everybody looked up at me. You caught that. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Not one of the descendants of Adam is righteous. Now, there is one that is righteous, but he's not a descendant of Adam. We're talking about Jesus Christ, of course. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all, and let me go ahead and mention this again. I, I try to mention it when I can think of it. You might say, well, I seek after God, and I know what you mean. But that's not you. That's God. Buddy and I was talking night, and and he says, uh, Buddy, I'm blessed by our conversations many times, every time. But he says, I hunger for this truth and study. I hunger for it. And God creates that hunger. Something else he said, and I'm just going to share this too. He says, it's like I'd have a a cutting torch and cut through steel to be able to tell people about Christ. What a a wonderful way to think of that. Okay, so as we look at this, uh, well... Let me read verse 12. I think I forgot that. They are all going out of the way. All, uh, they are together become unproper. There is none that doeth righteousness. No, not one. So then, looking at this, can it be well with our soul? Well, yes it can, but not that way, not through our own righteousness, not through all these there is a way, but not all these other ways that people are deceived uh, into believing. Psalms 32 and folks, I know that I go to a lot of scriptures, uh, several reasons for that. can't quote them very well, but I love going and looking at the scriptures. Psalms 32, and I'll get there eventually as well. So can it be well with our soul? We read there, none righteous, no, not one. None that understandeth, none that seeketh after God. So can it be well with our soul? Psalms, uh, I'm in Job, okay. Let me uh, go back the other way. Psalms 32. I'll eventually find it. Psalm 32 and... Uh, Verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. So, impute means to charge to an account. And this says. Uh, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. It's not added to his account. Why? Because it's covered. Whose sin is covered. Because it's covered. Uh, But couldn't you say, couldn't this, I've got to quit saying man, couldn't, these individuals say, these ones that their uh, transgression is forgiven, their sin is covered, and whom the Lord will not impute iniquity, and who, in whose spirit there is no guile. Couldn't these individuals say, it's well with my soul. Say it with confidence. It's well with my soul. So these that there is no guile, it's because it's covered. Oh, what's it covered with? Well, you know, the Passover, they put the, took the, a, a, a lamb without blemish, without spot, took the blood, put it up on the lintel, on two side posts, and God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. He didn't look who was back there. Did not look who was back there. It was the blood. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. And all this, covering, of course, the covering of the blood and the mercy seat and all that is all typifying Jesus Christ. Uh... This morning we were talking about uh, the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. And we talked about the crucifixion. We talked about the, the uh, height of the glory that he was and how low he came for you and I. And that's a little measurement where we can understand maybe a little more of his love for his own, that he won't impute sin. He covered uh, but all that, and when we say, you know, he chose us in Christ, what does that mean? It all goes back, it's all dependent upon Christ's crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. So when it says he chose us in Christ and, and, and in Christ and so forth, it's always talking about, I guess I could say conditional on or dependent upon, but his death, burial, and resurrection. His shed blood. That's what's all pointing to. So we never want to lose sight of that. Uh, this evening, as we'll be uh, taking the Lord's supper, and and the uh, typifying of His blood that was shed on the cross. That's why it's not imputed to us. It was imputed to Him, but not to us. Uh, Romans chapter ten. No, actually, let's go to. Let's go back to the third chapter again. I don't want to get too long here this evening. Uh, Romans, the third chapter again. And uh, let's skip over to verse 21. But now, hasn't always been. And years gone by, it hadn't been. But now, the righteousness of God... Apart from the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, it hadn't always been manifested. Back through uh, the uh, years of the Mosaic law and even before, it wasn't manifested. It said, now the, righteous of God, and the righteousness of God is through Jesus Christ. That is the righteousness of God. But it says, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is manifested, hadn't been manifested, and in this day and age, it's not manifested by everybody, everybody either. But by God's grace, uh, He manifests that to us. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is manifested. Most well, many now, and 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 also in some Old Testament times, they thought their righteousness was through the Mosaic law. It was never. I'll share this with you again. I have many times, but. Individual that used to work with. And we were talking about uh, Christ and salvation through Christ and everything. And, and he said, and I'm, I'm glad he asked this question because it made me think a lot. He says, how do you know God won't change his mind again? I says, what do you mean? He said, well, you saved by the law of Moses back here. And now you say we're saved by Jesus Christ. How do you know he just won't change his mind again? What a wonderful question. I'm glad he asked it. Nobody was ever saved by the Mosaic Law. It's always been one way. Again, buddy, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Whether it be babies or people that may be mentally retarded or people that's never heard a gospel, whatever. One way, Jesus Christ and crucified. So this says, but now, not always. And not through everybody. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is made manifest. Manifest, it's it's visible now. Uh, And it says, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So this tells us that righteousness of God is apart from the law, and the law witnesses to that effect. I thought that was uh, very interesting. Well how's it tells us righteousness of God is, is separate from the law of Moses, but then it tells us it's manifest and being witnessed by the law of Moses and the prophets. How how does that righteous not of the law, but the law manifest uh is witness that it uh manifests that it's that it's not through the law. I just thought that was, uh, uh, well, something to ponder on, something to think about. So how righteous is not through the law of Moses, but yet the law of Moses witnesses to that effect, that righteousness is not through that. Why? Well, we find many examples in scriptures. I'll just give you one, and there's many more. And we won't go there. It's in the first chapter of John. But Philip, after the Lord had called Philip, the Lord spent some time with Philip. Philip, who was a Jew, uh, had been under the Mosaic law for generations. And the Lord had called Philip, no doubt spent time with Philip. We don't have the whole conversation. But after he spent time with Philip, what did Philip do? He went out and found Nathanael. And he said to Nathanael, We have found him. Who did you find? We have found him. Well, we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. That's who we found. I read the law of Moses all the way through. I didn't see the word Jesus Christ in there one time. But yet, it witnesses to the fact that righteousness is not through the law of Moses. All that is pointing to Jesus Christ. I started talking about the Sabbath tonight, and, and, I, and I didn't. But the Sabbath, is not a day of the week. Sabbath is rest, and Jesus Christ is our rest. So the law, and we studied the law, I, I think over a year, at two different times. We studied it early, and we studied it again, I believe, to get it on, on CDs. But, but, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is manifested and witnessed by the law. So the law is witness that Jesus, again, that's what, that's what uh, uh, Philip said to Nathaniel. We found him. We found the one who Moses and the law and the prophets did prophesy about uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Well, how did he know that now? He spent time with Jesus. And Jesus explained it to him, no doubt. And, and the same as he did the two on the road to Emmaus, and, and what a wonderful account that is. After the Lord is crucified and resurrected, and these two is on the road to Emmaus. And they was walking, they were sad. Where's their king? <laughs> the king that was gonna save Israel. They didn't quite understand yet, did they? They killed him. Now he's gone. And the Lord appeared to them. They didn't recognize him. And what does it say? How did he? He was going to tell them about himself. Jesus Christ in the flesh, after his resurrection, was going to tell these two men and many others, no doubt, but going to tell these two men about himself. Where did he go? Beginning at Moses and the Law and the Prophets, but Moses and the Law—no doubt he told him about the Sabbath. No doubt he went to the sacrifices and told him that all this was pointing to Him. So righteousness is not uh, now the righteousness of God apart from the Law is manifest and is witnessed by the Law and the Prophets. Uh. And then in verse 22 here, we'll stay in the third chapter a little more, Romans. So it talks about the righteousness of God apart from the law manifest and witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. And to all them that believe, for there is no difference. So, uh... This points to Jesus Christ, said even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, not not by the Mosaic law, not by the letter of the law. The spirit of the law is different than the letter of the law. But this points us to Jesus Christ, not to the Mosaic law. And it says, upon all them that believe. David, we talked about that this morning as well. Is it just open for everyone? It's up to them and so forth? Who's going to believe? And you could have the discussion, well, the good ones, the sincere ones, you could have that, but wouldn't we rather get our answer from the Scriptures? Who's going to believe? Acts 13, 48, what a wonderful Scripture that was to me when I first saw it, and still is. All that was ordained to eternal life, believed. They were ordained to eternal life from before the foundation of the world. And every one of them will believe. People say, you must believe. Well, they will believe. The must sounds like it's putting upon us or something. And David would call that grace. Unmerited favor of God. That's who will believe. Uh, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, So all is done to to brag over the other ones. Uh, We're sinners, of course, through Adam. And in verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And again, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, that goes back to his suffering on the cross, his shedding of his blood and his death and burial and resurrection, and even the suffering that he did before that, of course. Uh, Justified by works. Justified if we've done enough. justified, Justified if you've been good enough. If you've done enough good works. Justified freely by his grace. Grace is an unmerited favor of God. Don't deserve it. Didn't earn it. Couldn't earn it. But that's how we're justified. Being justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, justified freely. And actually, if we look at the fourth chapter of Romans and and, uh, verse 4. Now, to him that worketh, The reward is not reckoned of grace, but of of debt. So we read there being justified in the third chapter, uh, 23 or 24, being justified freely by his grace. So we go over the fourth chapter of Romans and verse 4. Now to him that worketh, the reward is not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And as I said, God's not indebted to us. It's not of our works. It's grace, unmerited favor of God. Don't deserve it, but unmerited favor of God. And in uh, three and twenty-six, to declare, I say this time His righteousness, that He might be just and justify with Him who believeth in Jesus. To declare his righteousness. So many wants to declare their righteousness. They want to boast in their righteousness. But again, you get them at a serious time when they may be facing what they think is death. And then they say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I've been good enough or not. So they're not, see, they're not trusting in his righteousness. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. And again, who's going to believe? All that was ordained to eternal life. And again, yeah, we, thanks be to God, we believe. And we seek. Philippians 2.13 said, He works in us both to will and do of his good pleasure. So if we hunger for his word, he works in that, both to will and and to do both of them, you say, "Well, we're free moral agents. God is a free moral agent, but He works all things at the counsel of His will. He works in both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He's a sovereign, sovereign God." Uh, back in the, in the fourth chapter of Romans now, and and. Uh, Verse 6. Even as day... Well, uh, let's, just, let's go back to verse 4 and work our way down to verse 6. Now to him that worketh, the reward is not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly... His faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David describeth the blessedness of the man to whom God imputeth righteousness apart from works, imputing, adding to our account righteousness, apart from works. Not, not debt, grace. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness apart from works, couldn't this one say, "It's well with my soul"? Seven saying, "Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered." Again, couldn't this individual say, "It's well with my soul"? And the answer is yes. And verse eight. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Uh, I think we read Psalms 22, I believe, uh, that uh, not impute sin. And that's what he says here. And, And certainly these individuals are blessed. Blessed is the one. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the one to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And those individuals are blessed. He won't impute sin. Why will he not impute sin? Because their sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So there's some, he will not impute sin. Because they're covered. The ones behind the door, when the blood is put on the limb, on the two side posts, he didn't impute sin, it was covered. He did not impute sin. But there's something he will impute. And we saw that uh, in verse 6. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputeth righteousness apart from works. So he imputes righteousness, which we don't deserve, And he will not impute sin, which we're all guilty of. What word can you put on that? Grace. Grace. Unmerited favor of God. Mercy and grace. So, these people says they're blessed. Blessed is this one to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Blesses the one where he imputes righteousness. They are blessed. Can't those individuals say, It is well with my soul. So when we sing the song and you think of the song, and I ask a question, it's well is it well with your soul? What's it based on? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. God's plan of salvation and we can say it is well with my soul. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. This is our